Oh, hello there. Welcome to another edition of Skyscraper Sports. On today's episode of Skyscraper Sports, so uncivilized, we're talking hockey, Rangers, Devils, and Islanders. Going to touch on some basketball. And guess what? We're going to go on some more baseball talk. These guys are playing with their fingers, trying to intimidate me. But that's not going to intimidate New York sports. Kevin, hit the music. Touchdown for the Jets. And there's a shot, they score! Anders Lee on the rebound! There it goes! See ya! Nets win in overtime! Backs into the end zone, touchdown Giants! They score! And welcome to Skyscraper Sports. What a cold opening by John Luke Shapiro. We got Russell Hartman in the other corner. I'm in the top corner. This is a triangle. I don't even know if those are corners. Shapes, right? Am I right? Kevin, yes. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to Skyscraper Sports. I am Kevin Krupe. And today... No, you don't say... (laughs) I guess Peanut Gallery is in full force today. Anyway, let's jump right into it because we do got a lot to talk about, and we'll start. We'll start with the ice, which is coming rapidly, coming uh, by the time you listen to this today, which would be the thirteenth. <laughs> let's go with the Russell over here. Let's just go Devils really quick because some things happened for them, which kind of like you know soured the mood a little bit. But you know, Russell, tell us what happened with the Devils. Let's get into it. The New Jersey Devils. Um, looking to have a much better season than last season. They probably won't. It's not their time yet, but they're getting there. They're progressing. Young guys jumping in the lineup. Ty Smith is most likely going to be on this team and playing a prominent role. But let's take a look at something that happened this week in practice. P.K. Subban going at Miles Wood during a scrimmage, and they had to be separated. Didn't look that didn't look that good. Um, I'm sure, you know, this will be addressed. I'm sure that P.K. and Miles Wood will figure this out. Uh, PK's had a lot of stuff happen in his personal life recently. I'm sure that contributed. You know, sometimes people go through things. Yeah, but, I mean, that's still no excuse to beat somebody up at an in-team scrimmage. Oh, yeah. sure. I mean, it's not a good look, but, I mean, you can kind of, get like, understand partly why he might not be the most... Who are they? The Blues in 2018? Yeah, in 2018, yeah. yeah. No, you know, it, it's, they're it's, not. It's inter- it, it, no, they're not. They're no. far from it. But, you know, it's 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 just odd, you know? I mean... Usually teams who have to deal with that kind of stuff are usually not in the best of situations. I can't speak to what's happening between both of them, but let's just, it's not fun times in, in a devil's land. And um, even though I don't like the devils, um, none of us do here really, but um, it's, it's sad to see. It's just kind of sucky. You kind of want to see all the New York sports teams or the New York area sports teams do somewhat well. Um, But that's just odd. Hopefully they they're it came able to. Came out of nowhere too. They no, it really kind of like did. Chatter that he was like unhappy or anything like that. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of things that go on that we don't know about with teams, and they don't like to disclose it. I mean, but if you're the Devils and you see that two of your guys are going at it publicly, like when stuff stuff gets leaked or whatever, then it's like, well, something's wrong. Something's not right in this machine. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure they'll address it. I this mean, seems to be a cog yeah. in this machine. That's not working yeah. too properly. are a franchise. For all the things we say about them, they're a pretty well-run franchise for the most. Oh no, absolutely no. They're that's a that's so, a top-notch organization. Yeah, uh, they'll figure it out. Um, their new GM has been really good, and uh, Jesper Bratt signed an extension with the New Jersey Devils, so they get well, him. It took about enough time to do it. Well, I mean, um, someone also signed an extension, which was very lowballed. But oh, we'll get, we'll get, we'll to, get to that. that. We'll get to that. We'll get to them in a second, but. The important thing is New Jersey Devils lock up a key cog in the machine. And yes, for Brett, um, he kind of plays the same type of role. Yes, for Foss played for the Rangers that like kind of, you know, banging in the corners, do it all players. So good for the Devils on getting him signed. And good luck to New Jersey Devils this season because a lot of analysts are not projecting them to do very well. In most well, models, they're coming in at seventh or eighth most of the time. So, I mean, this is going to be another season of growth in New Jersey. And we'll see how Jack Hughes rebounds from his poor rookie season. We'll yeah, see if Cohesion can do the heights that he had in his rookie season. And ultimately, time to wait a little more, Devils fans. I know it's hard to hear that, but 
Well, that's the thing. Fun. Like, you look at the Rangers, who I'll, I'll say it. I'll, I mean, the the Devils did luck into Jack Hughes, but they didn't luck into a player like Alexi Lafreniere, who no, is a lot better than Jack Hughes. Now, mm-hmm. am I saying that we need a center? Yes. But, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think the Devils, like you said, Russ, are on the cusp. I think their prospects are taking a little bit longer to develop than – you know, other teams usually, and it doesn't help that one of your more prominent veterans doesn't seem to mesh well with this team. Now, are they going to trade him? I doubt it. But, you know, you lose a guy in Corey Crawford who could be a veteran leadership. I, I see your damn finger, JL. I'll let you talk. Like every five seconds. Like, oh, no. Wow, thanks for putting me on blast. I, 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 I'm going to... Say my piece, and then I'll go ahead. I'm not stopping you. Go ahead. Over here, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but you know, you lose a guy in Corey Crawford. Season didn't even start yet. You know, he's he's retiring, which is unfortunate. Russell noted health issues to me, and you know, it's just it's tough. You know, you having goaltending problems, and now who? I mean, they have Blackwood, who's their number one, but to have a guy like Crawford who has Stanley Cup experience, you can give this young team a a boost. But now he's not here. Maybe he stays on advisory role. I don't know. But here you go, JL. I'm oh, passing gosh. it over to you now. Thanks a lot, Kevin. I needed you're, your you're approval. Uh, um, but no, what I was going to say was is um, the, the difference between like what the Rangers did and what the Devils did is that um, the, De- the Devils were actually further down the line uh, than the Rangers were at one point. But uh, Ray Shiro and company, before he was kicked out, they went to that playoff series and they immediately thought, hey, let's just start adding pieces instead of continuing with their rebuild. So they kind of lost a year or two of trying to develop the farm and they made some really, you know, unscrupulous deals like getting Wayne Simmons and trading for P.K. Subban. And you mentioned it with P.K. Subban not really fitting in. Um, I still find it funny that and this is not an attack at Devils fans. It's just more or less what happened. They kind of thought they won the off season and then they just started throwing it in our faces and we ended up being better than them. Um, I'm but, still getting the number one and we still got a number one overall pick, which is nice. Um, so, but you want to talk about misreading the room and I get it. PK Subban's a good hockey player. Don't get me wrong. Like he's well, not he a, was bad a hockey better hockey player. player. Well, he was a better, yeah, it was a better hockey player before, but he, it guy, seems the like guy has, I think at least one Norris in there. He definitely does. Yeah, no, he's definitely been nominated at least. As that, yeah. As that. And, and you know, he's a type of guy that I guess they thought he was going to try and anchor the, the blue line. But the problem that the devils have had lately is just, it's just that they can't develop defense difference between the rangers and the devils is the rangers can actually develop defensemen and well, um, i'm sure they're hoping ty smith will start to turn that around for them well no he exactly win, he did win a norris trophy with the i think the canadians yeah with the canadians but just my, my point is though is just that you know like you said their prospects are taking a little bit longer to develop but that's just because of the organization now what is tom fitzgerald and his new cohorts going to do i mean that remains to be seen they got Lindy Ruff to man the bench, and I think they all full well know that this is going to be a development season. And I think we begin to see a little bit more of Ty Smith, a little bit more of Alex Holtz, and they're just going to let the young kids take over. You know, I mean, they're 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 they they slip behind the Rangers, but honestly, give it a couple more years, and the Devils will probably be past the Islanders if they develop right. Well, that's a perfect segue because you know now we need to talk about the Islanders. Ah, yes, oh, transition. <laughs> Talk about this for a second. No, there's nothing to talk about. It just he got lowballed. Last last time we spoke about this, about why the RFA system in the NHL is not good. Okay, well, before we get into that, let's just let everyone know what we were talking about. Matthew Barzell finally signed a contract with the New York Islanders, and it was probably the dumbest lowballest contract ever. And you want to talk about being backloaded? That is terrible. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, three years for seven million dollars. But Russell, continue. Yes. I mean, it, the fact that it was let to go this far, I mean, after everything we said last week about how everything needs to be reformed, this is just more proof of that. How do you let a player like Matt Barzell get that contract and stay with the team? How does someone not jump on it? Again, the draft picks are killer. And, and this really needs to be addressed in the next CBA or else teams can just keep getting away with it and getting away with it and getting away with it. And there needs to be some type – there has to be an incentive – for the hunter to go after the prey at some point there has to yeah, be Yeah, you can't but that's the thing you, you risk it making it too easy and then you have rfas going left and right yeah. but 
I understand that. And it's not going to happen while the, the cap is flat. It's not going to happen in the next few years, maybe even after the next CBA is up, because no owner is going to approve that and screw themselves over. That's why the owners will never vote to say yes. It, like I said last time, it's, we have to wait on the Players Association be like, mm-hmm. look, we want better opportunities. We don't want to wait until we're in our mid to late 20s to sign a contract with another team. We'll sign our ELC for three years, and then after that, we should be able to commit to a team on our RFA, like restricted contract talks not being like well i have to, i don't want to sign with you which means now like i'm screwing you over which means you're gonna give me a low ball and then arbitration i'm gonna hear what the team says about me and like why i'm a bad player for the organization but see like this whole process is just negative against the player because at the end of the day the organization is gonna do what's best for the organization and not for the player and then turn around it's like we really want to get a contract done with x y and z and we got it with X and Y, and then Z is just unfortunate. It's, and then Z, you shit talk the whole entire time. Yeah. So I, I agree well, with you. Like, like I said, you're not going to get this until a prominent, prominent RFA goes out and says, "Look, I don't want to go through this process because it's unfair to me. It's not unfair yeah. to literally anybody else. I want to sign well, with Montreal, but for well, some no, reason." Not too long ago. Too. Minnesota's not going to let me. Yeah, but it didn't accomplish anything. That's why no, we're talking well, about it. Well, I think the big, the biggest change will have to come when they negotiate the next CBA. That's when the next big change is going to come in. And I think with the pandemic happening, obviously it's not a good thing, but there could be a silver lining in many ways that it brings problems like this to light to where teams are trying to basically squeeze this much out of players. And I know the PA has to take note because the PA – you know, all PAs and all sports leagues want to get their players the best possible, you know, um, contracts and all that. But again, it also hinges on the health of the NHL. The next CBA is going to be in, or they're going to negotiate it after Seattle has played at least a few seasons. And depending on the new TV deal, that'll also play a part as well as the salary cap. So all those things are large factors in possibly, you know, um, coming into play when it comes to reforming the system but again it just all depends on how much power the pa has and is willing to exert and how much the owners are willing to actually discuss it because this benefits the owners right now it does and this system wasn't a big problem before when there wasn't a salary cap because then you can just unload a bunch of money on someone and you got your player but now that the league is capped and the cap isn't going up anytime soon i think they're going to have to bide their time. So this might be something of a slow burn, but I totally agree. It's not really fair to those players who, you know, want to make the bag when they're in their middle eight in their, you know, their prime years. You look at guys like in baseball, you look at Mookie Betts cashing in on a giant contract. You look at guys in the NBA who are young and they're making big money when they've contributed well into the league. Matt Barzell is easily a top 10 player in the league without a doubt. He's basically the linchpin of the New York Islanders right now. It's a New York team just because they're second fiddle to the Rangers. Does that make them any less of a New York team? No, no, no. I see. You know, you know, no, I, I know see your face. But I, I agree with you because the players are the ones who really hold the power because without them, there's, there's no, no league. league. But mm-hmm. no matter what, the media is going to string it to what the owners want. Cause it's like, Oh, the players are ruining the NHL season. And, Look, as much as I want hockey back, this is literally the one year you can get away with it and you won't be able to blame the players. Because it's yeah. like, look, the owners are putting us yeah. in this position, da-da-da-da. You could have a strike and be like, oh, well, you know, it really wasn't safe to have a season. Gary Bettman even said it's probably – they're probably going to make less money playing than just holding the season off, which yeah. is insane. But it's like we need it for the fans and the owners. It's like you need it because if you stop – you lose all your momentum you've been building up for the past few years. And it's not that much momentum for a, a top four league in this in this country. It's yeah. not. It's not the most popular sport by far. Some may argue NASCAR is even more popular than the NHL in some parts of the country, which it's true. College it's also ridiculous, is more though. popular than a national league. That That's insane. College football, college basketball are more popular than the National Hockey League. And you're gonna you're not losing this momentum. Some things are more valuable than money, and at least Gary Bettman understands to have an NHL season where you have these guys progress instead of going somewhere else and making money for another team and risking their health like these huge stars. Like, if there was no season, Lafreniere plays in the World Juniors, 
and then possibly mm-hmm. plays in Canada or overseas. Kako stays in Finland. Zabanjet stays in Sweden. You know, all this, all this crazy crap. And, you know, the Rangers benefit because they're on a cusp of, you know, we have these guys and we're going to have them ready in the next year. And this is the best year to develop. And this is the year we take the next step. So they don't, they're not going to vote against it. No owner is going to vote against this because they're still getting money from the TV deals. But other no, than absolutely. That, it's not as much as having people in the stands, which they're banking on it. All the local, go- all the local governments are banking on people coming back to stands because for some places like Green Bay, you know, St. Cloud, Minnesota, <laughs> you know, Minneapolis, uh, St. Louis, these middle, middle rung, you know, cities that need the currency and need the income you know they're not getting anything and their 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 community suffering because of it which sucks well you know you know know, hockey has a very weird following in the united states because um if you love it you love it yeah right how it is yeah and and the thing is is that the nhl culture or at least hockey culture in general outside of the you know, dangle, snipe, selly bull crap is it's a very team oriented game and it takes a lot for a squad to win. And that focus goes into the players and in the advertising and all that, which basically leans to how the sport is promoted. It's a very team oriented. They don't really do a good job at promoting their top players. So that also contributes part to it. Now, once the pandemic is over and Seattle begins play and things start to go on an uptick, because obviously there's going to be an uptick. People are going to want to go to games. Uh, that will be the determination on how the league will be able to bounce back and, and ultimately maybe see some changes in some certain things. So, I mean, it's not too far out, but speaking of hockey teams, because it's kind of, you know, relevant to what we're talking about. So we touched on the Islanders and the Devils, and now we can move on to the New York Rangers. There's a lot going on in Rangers camp, which is very nice. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Oh my God. Because we have a number of reasons why this is awesome. We have some well, awesome developments this week in Rangers. Well, tell us, Russell, why is it so good? Well, last week, Tony D'Angelo was going to go into the season as Jacob Trouba's partner, switching sides, and he was going. To, they were going to figure this out and have the Rangers' top four defensemen be their top four defensemen. Okay. Well, I guess that's cool, but David Quinn changed something over the last few practices and he shifted Tony D'Angelo down the decor and he shifted Keandre Miller all the way up. And now Keandre Miller will be starting on the left side of the defense with Jacob Truba on the first pair for the New York Rangers on Thursday night against the New York Islanders. Forget about the AHL. Forget about any time in Hartford. We're not even talking about the third pair. Keandre Miller is already, he's 20 years old. He's only been playing defense for about three years now. After is he's he been a really that forward. young? Yeah. Yes, he Artemis he thinks he's like 23. He doesn't turn 21 <laughs> until I think February or March, something like that. And we're, like this kid who hasn't even been playing defense for that relatively long of a time is playing first pair left D with Jacob Truba for the New York Rangers which is absolutely incredible. I did not expect this out of this kid this this early in his career. I thought for sure he was going to be sent down to get time playing first pair down in Hartford, learning the game more, getting used to the faster pace. But whatever he's done in the camp before the playing round and training camp before this season has convinced David Quinn, has convinced Jacques Martin, and for all intents and purposes, has convinced Jeff Gordon and John Davidson that – Keandre Miller is ready to be thrown directly into the fire. It also doesn't help Tony D's case of his recent political, you know, ties. And we knew that was an issue. And to showcase that on your top line is not good. So when you have a defensive-minded guy who's a tank, and when I say tank, he's Huge. No, he's a tank. He's freaking. And I've been saying monster. how big this kid is. And you're talking about twelve feet of human on the blue line when they yes, play him and Truba together. We foreload our at one size, and now we're one giant defenseman. We're just yeah. one large human. But if you listen to the reports coming out of out of the scrimmages, like Truba's best game was playing with Keandre was Miller. With Miller. 
and he's Keandre taking Miller, him under his wing too. Yeah, that, I I saw that tweet before. That was a great tweet. I, well, you, know what, you, know what the, you know what the cool thing though is that that's a very old school NHL mentality. Because what did you just shove in your mouth? I had said some rice. Oh, okay. Because like, <laughs> by the way, I got something to say. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't mean to talk too fast, but I put it about when I when I ate. Um, no, but shut up, Kevin. <laughs> Um, and Russell, um, wow. no, but that's a very, wow. that's a very, so oh, okay, gosh, I ate food while talking. Don't judge yeah. me. I freaking ate a whole thing of white castle last uh, podcast. You Anyways. did. That was, that was impressive. I um, drink a beer, you eat whatever you eat. And then Russell is just a wild card. We'll see what he does. But, but that's, a, gosh, that's a very old school mentality. Gosh, you guys are ridiculous. Where they would pair veteran guys with young guys and just throw them out there. And that's how some of those guys would get better. Like, I know they did that with Nick Lidstrom with the Red Wings back in the day. Um, they do. They used to do it a lot with a lot of young defensemen. They'll just throw them out there with a bunch of veterans. And they seem to work out pretty well. So I'm hoping with the NHL being nowadays a lot quicker and a lot faster with certain things. Um, you know, Miller seems like he'll adapt well. You know, him, he might make a mistake here or there, but it certainly definitely helps that you bump Tony D'Angelo down, and then that also bumps down Jack Johnson. Oh. And if the, if if the kid is, <laughs> you know, oh, Russell, thank God. oh thank God, I'm surprised it. Russell didn't just start like shooting off fireworks in his apartment, just like. But gosh, but uh, yeah, so it's just nice to see him progressing. And, and it also shows that, you know, Coach Quinn and the rest of the management, they're listening and they're watching because one of the biggest fears that they've had or Ranger fans have had, and I've had this, you know, I've been a little bit trepidatious on this as well, is that a T word right there. Trepidatious. Yes. Ah, um, ah yes. Word. Um <laughs> They they always had this thing where Ranger fans would say, oh, they're not listening. They're not paying attention. And sometimes that would be the case. But it seems like now they're really starting to pay focus on who's playing well with whom. And let's keep pairs together. And let's just kind of roll the dice. You know, it seems like the forward lines are pretty set. The deep pairs are, you know, um, still the same. And, and, and it seems like they're going to try and keep that and play the people who need to play as much as possible. And I hope that... This season, we get to see a lot of Keandre. We get to see a lot of Lafreniere, especially on the power play. And we get to, you know, Kako see less takes of... his next huge strides. And yeah, Kako now KZB playing with Panarin. stays exactly the same and starts you know, producing. And Buchnevich and... is having a good camp, too, apparently. They say he's like a different animal, apparently. But which really, um... the key for the Rangers is that third line. That third mm-hmm. line. That's the game changer. That what, that's, that's what makes that, them a playoff team. Exactly. If that line gels... And for all intents and purposes, so far we've heard that Filipino and um, uh, Alexi Lafreniere and Julian Gauthier have had some pretty good chemistry. Filipino's even made this joke that he needs to learn to speak French because his two wingers, all they do is speak French to each other. So he's <laughs> just skating out. down the ice. I'm gonna do fromage. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, Alexi Lafreniere has looked awesome in camp. He had a great goal against Igor the other night in the scrimmage. Um, the top nine is looking fantastic. I mean, the Rangers have enough firepower to compete with any team in the Eastern Conference. That's plain to see. Um, now it's just a matter of the defense catching up, and whenever the fourth line's out, just not making a mistake. Which they don't seem like they would. I mean, if Brett Howden ends up being more defensively responsible this year, I wouldn't have a problem with that. That's, you that's know, Brendan all, Lemieux is always Brendan Lemieux is always going to be a great grinder and a great defenseman in his own right. And then you have Philip DiGiuseppe and I think Kevin Rooney. Also, and you know that's gonna be that's gonna be a continuously changing line, and we'll, Quinn will see what sticks. But let's yeah, move Kevin, on. Kevin Rooney, oh, well, real unless quick you want on Kevin Rooney. I'll just say one thing quick on Kevin Rooney, real quick. Uh, a lot of really people quick. have been giving him hate on YouTube, and especially those who like Jesper Fast because he took his number. Kevin Rooney's perfect fourth line guy. Phil DiGiuseppe is there too, so I mean that, that I wouldn't worry about it. I didn't know people had a problem with him taking a number. Like, yeah, oh, excuse me, there's a number available that I like. But because Jesper Foss is apparently the Rangers' savior, and now they've forsaken him, it's like blasphemy <laughs> for the Rangers organization. Like what well, Russell said last week, where it's like, I don't understand the Jesper Foss love. He's a great player, but he's a third-line player at best. I understand it. It's just we don't need it now. No, that's all. you don't. You don't, because you have actual talent. And the fact that you're going to see that with Kako with Panarin instead of Foss with Panarin, it's going to be a huge difference. And some guy named Alexi Lafreniere, but... 
Lamar oh, Lafreniere is on a completely different line, so you know what I mean. Let's <laughs> yeah. move on. Anyways, to basketball, just to kind of oh. get this out of the way. Um, Nick to Nets, staying about average, staying in the playoff standings. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, the main thing I wanted to talk about was just the health of Kyrie and Durant. Just because every time I check my phone before a game, it's like, Kyrie, not playing with team. Durant, questionable, for start. And it's like, this is the issue that you were going to have in the beginning, and this is why you need such yeah. a deep, deep bench. And is it paying off? I don't know. The Knicks and Nets lo- both lost tonight. The Net- Knicks are currently losing to the Hornets, which is not really surprised by that with, for some reason, like, who is it? Lum- which ball is it now? Is it Lamar ball, Lavert ball? Like, which one is it? Lamelo. Lamelo ball. Lamello, that's right, because everybody started calling him Mello, and I Lamello, felt my heart break a little bit inside. But I don't know. Knicks, Knicks have growing. I'm not really having expectations for them, but if the Nets don't even make the playoffs based off of their recent play, I, that's a troubling, troubling thing, especially when you banked on this year by sacrificing last year. But I mean, uh, I think the Nets will be fine. I think it's just a matter of Kyrie dealing with whatever issues he's dealing with. Hopefully, he gets over them soon. It might be and, COVID. Uh, the, that's the thing. Like with this whole, yeah, we this don't whole know. thing, it's undisclosed. And Kevin Durant, it seems like he's over whatever was ailing him. So I hope he continues to play. But again, if the Nets are healthy, they they will go as far as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can take them. They're 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 a good team when everyone's healthy. But the Knicks, what I really wanted to touch on with was the Knicks and the kind of uh, revival of Julius Randle. Yes, um, which brings up a lot of questions for what happens in his future. Exactly. Now, before the season started, Knicks fans wanted Randle traded. They wanted him gone. Every He was in every trade package. You know, wasn't looked at being a guy they wanted here for the future. But Julius Randle this season under Tom Thibodeau is averaging 23 points 11 rebounds and seven assists almost a tr- almost averaging a triple double almost which is triple double, and he's shooting 50 percent from field goal and he's shooting 77 percent on his free throws julius randall has seemingly transformed his career under tom thibodeau the knicks they're five and five they're playing 500 basketball right now but they're competitive they're in every game except this for except run- for last night last night they got a little blown out yeah, but for yeah. sure but it'll happen rj barrett's looked good yeah. um Second, see, that's the thing. When you look Manuel at these, when you look at rookies in any any aspect, whether it's basketball, football, hockey, baseball, and you look at a guy you've been excited for, him, it's like, oh man, I'm building this up in my head. This guy's gonna be great. He's our savior. And they come into a new league, which is played by men, and they don't perform. You're like, oh, he's a bust immediately. And now mm-hmm. all these guys who have been bashing R.J. Barrett all this last year are eating their words, just like people who bashed. Capo Caco and Jack Hughes and, you know, even Saquon to a certain extent with the with the Giants. You can bash Sam Darnold eventually when he gets traded to another team. It's like, oh, man, I wish I didn't trade him, blah, 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 blah. But you're the same person who's going to bitch about that. So, <laughs> with Julius Randle, though, you bring up an interesting point because now it's, do you trade him high? Do you extend him? Do you keep letting him play? Do you let him t- test free agency? Like, what's the big question mark? And it comes down to, What's going to happen towards the middle of the season? Are the are the Knicks still playing over 500 basketball? Do they just cut their losses? Look, we can get a lot more. We like the way we're building. We're building internally, and we're making a good team. And now Thibodeau is coming in and bringing a winning mentality, which the Knicks needed. And this little bit, this little bit of taste of winning is making this team it, exciting. Look what it's done for the fan base. I've never, like... I've never seen Knicks fans this energized in I probably since Mel, that year when Melo led them to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Like, yeah. what? Like, you know what? And, and you just can't you help give a Nick good. a cookie. He's yeah. gonna want some playoffs. You can't help but feel good because of how you know New York City is supposed to be this mecca of basketball, and but it's for, not anymore. It's, it's hasn't not. been. It, it's, it just hasn't been. New the Knicks have been a laughing stock for years. And now, finally, it seems with Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau as the coach and this new regime taking over, building through the draft, staying patient, not handing out dumb contracts to 35-year-old dudes. Trading over, you know, trading guys that are over the hump. Exactly. The Knicks are are building the right way. It's showing that maybe they just, you know, you needed a guy to just be a stern voice in the room to get them going. And I I hope the Knicks keep it up. I hope they keep on this roll. 
And I hope they challenge for that seven or eight spot in the East. You're, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I like to see a little more to Kevin Knox personally. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think this is a good year to really evaluate what the team has to offer. And when you have a successful start like this, and I'm calling it successful because it they're is. not I'm last. Yeah. They're in the playoff hunt, which is what I think. I Brooklyn made the playoffs with a losing record last year, I think. I'm not 100% sure. See, this is where my ineptitude of basketball comes in because I don't remember anything. So <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to like the Eastern Conference for basketball and just basketball in general, you can make the playoffs with a losing record and be successful, and it just de- determines on the way you're the, the momentum coming in. So if the Knicks want to keep this kind of momentum and if they want to stay 500, and I think that's a huge success for them. But, you know, again, the Nets, if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make it. But the Nets need to make noise in the playoffs. That's another thing. If they don't even, if they don't even beat, get through the first round, that's a failure. If they barely make it through the second round, that's a failure. Yeah. It's Eastern Conference final, NBA finals are bust for the Brooklyn Nets. See, and I'm not expecting them to win outright. I mean, there are better teams out there, but it's just, if you keep having guys not, like, you know, being healthy, and I'm talking about Kyrie and Durant. Then you're going to have problems. Now, with Durant, I can understand him resting. You yeah. don't want to give him 100% right away. He'll get his, his legs will be destroyed. But with Kyrie, he needs to he needs to step up, and they need to start evaluating his health more and taking him out of different types of games depending on who they're playing. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on because well, I know JL is two, itching. Two tidbits. Two, two tidbits. Two tidbits and then JL come in to talk. One, we're, we're rolling it back to hockey for two seconds. Oh, rolling it back. Okay, JL can come in and then we'll knock him oh, out. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. I am. Hockey. We're, yes. We're going to start with the sad news. Or we're gonna, then we're going to go to the good news. Or not good news, interesting news. Interesting news. The sad news, not New York, but this has to be said because of how monumental this is in a bad way. Evander Kane filed for bankruptcy. And he is that. This is one of the biggest filings for bankruptcy for an athlete. He is filing for twenty, almost twenty-seven million dollars of debts. Um, that is wow. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. Time out, Russell. I can, did you cover your mic? I can't hear you. Can't hear me. Why? What's wrong? I don't know. It just did. Can you hear him, Jail? It's very low. It's very low. I feel like it turned higher. Unbelievable. He's given some great news and it just goes. Is that any better? No. But I can reiterate so people can hear you. Like Russell said, if you did hear him, Evander Kane filed for bankruptcy, I think you said $27 million, which is out fucking landish. I didn't even know. Did this just come up right now? Like this second? This has been a thing like building for a while. He had lawsuits pending and. Um, you know, different things going on with his money, but I feel for the guy. I hope he figures it out, and, like, that sucks. Like, you never want to see that to happen to anybody. So I hope Evander Kane does figure that out because that is an insane piece of news. And the second, like I said, interesting tidbit about hockey, then if, if the New York Rangers play with the top six on their defense that everyone expects for opening night, six Americans on the back end defending a Russian goalie tandem. I think that is that very, is such a weird, weird. That weird is statistic. the opposite of communism. <laughs> sure, there, whatever you say there. Kevin buddy. doesn't even know what this. No, say. no, it just it threw me off. But yes, now back to basketball. Jail, don't talk. Back to, back to baseball. Oh. now, now I'm no. just kidding. Now, okay, let's go to Shut baseball up. now. <laughs> oh so my. Jail, what happened? With the Mets again, I think you should remind everybody. Yeah, remind everybody what happened with the Mets. Which one? The fact that they traded for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously we know um, the Mets traded for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Um, even though we won't know what Carlos Carrasco says in his press conference because we are recording this the day before, uh, Frankie Lindor... Uh, today on january 11th as we record this did a press conference at 11 a.m and basically just kind of hit a home run no pun intended yes pun intended um (laughs) (laughs) so so basically in short 
he not only was excited to play for the Mets, um, he was very remorseful, not to say remorseful, he was very um, nostalgic and appreciative of his time in Cleveland. And every time a question came up when it came to potentially bashing them, he basically said no and gave them all the credit in the world. He wanted to stay there, but they didn't need his number. Uh, he's very excited to play for New York. He referenced a lot of older Mets teams like the 06 Mets, and he named off guys like Beltran, Delgado, Wright and Reyes, even Andy Chavez. He even name-dropped Oliver Perez at one point, which just goes to show you homeboy was paying attention. Um, and it seems like he's willing to take on um, a role here. Now, he said something interesting, which I found very, very, very insightful. Someone asked him if he wanted to be like a leader, but he said, not really. I'm going to do my part, and if that's how I'm seen, sure. But he wants the team to come together as one. He wants to bring all the pieces together to make a solid team, and he wants to be a part of that. I mean, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, go on YouTube and just listen to him talk. He's a very articulate man. He's very smart. Seems like he's very grounded, very humble, and he's always – and then someone asked him, oh – it's like the most New York question ever. Why are you smiling so much? You know, like, why are you smiling so much? You're in New York now. You're not allowed to be yeah, happy. You're not allowed yeah, to I mean, smile. You push people out of the way and always be angry. Oh, there's the Russell's sound. There I it found is it. But, <laughs> but, but basically he said, look, I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream and I'm happy and I'm blessed every day. And he says, why should I not smile? And that what was arguably great answer. That's a, that is a phenomenal answer. answer. So, at the end of the day, A plus by Frankie. Wonderful job by the Mets to bring him in. And now, you know, we'll we'll know more about Carrasco after the fact, but I'm sure he's just as excited and just as passionate and wanting to come. You know, I was having a side conversation with Kevin about this before, and we're talking about like pitchers and 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 what Cookie Carrasco could bring. And he is your ultimate number three, number four starter with number one stuff. If you think about it. And yeah, that's some that's this, some good that's some good statistics right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I hit him with all of the statistics. Yes. And I just came up with my head. Well, right we discussed now. the 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 statistics. Nah, God, I can't. Even nice say it. English, Kevin. Ah, yes, English. Oh no, me and JL discussed all those stats in our newest adventure, Willett's Point. Which, if you didn't hear it, it's a good talk because we literally give our like re- day of reaction for the Lindor trade, but. We talked about Carrasco's stats in that, and it was phenomenal how good he's been since, I think, 2016. And 2014? Really? Okay. So, um, 2014, which is outstanding, even though he's missed a good chunk of last season, the season before. And I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that the it, people are making a big deal over Lindor, which you should. He's the like third or fourth best player in the league. So... But like it's people like feel like it's belittled with Carrasco. They got a, they stole that deal, like that they 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 committed highway robbery with uh, this deal. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Which then brings me to my next point: Will they commit highway robbery with George Springer, or DJ LeMahieu? Which I've seen some stuff. I don't know if you've guys seen, but some people are arguing that DJ LeMahieu, after signing, after trading for Lindor is actually a better fit for the Mets, which, eh, I'm not buying it, but I can see why they think about that way. I'll do it. Hey, listen, look. Hey, let's just get everybody at this point. Look, think think about it. You throw Jeff McNeil at third base. You throw uh, DJ LeMahieu at second. J.D. Davis is a platoon guy, which honestly was what he really is at this point. And then if you get the DH, you run Dom Smith, Pete Alonso. Dom Smith and left, Pete Alonso out there. And then you put, let's just say they signed George Springer. You not only have a team that can get on base, but you also have a team that can hit. DJ LeMayu is a pure hitter. A lot of people tend to forget, uh, well, uh, depending on how well people's memories are, was at one point in the season in 2019, even when the Mets were on their way back, DJ LeMayu led the American League in average, and Jeff McNeil led the National League in batting average. And... The only reason why Jeff McNeil did not win the batting title in 2019 was he tried to hit too many homers, but even then he was still pretty good. So if you add basically two legitimate on-base guys on the same team, you're not only making a better team, but you're also making a better team that can not only hit, but also defend. 
okay? McNeil yes. is the natural third baseman. <laughs> yes. McNeil's a natural third baseman. He's better at second, though. But he's a he's a natural third baseman. I mean, though. you could say he's a natural third baseman. No, but if he I look at is him a natural chart, third baseman. I'll put him at second before I put him at third. Because he played third base in the minors. Ooh, and I played nothing because I'm uh, talk. I'm on a podcast. I'm not playing yeah. major league baseball. <laughs> and, and and you know, um, you know, or you could even put Lemayhu at third and put McNeil at second if you want. Either way, but. Ultimately, that just makes you a better defensive team. And I'll harken back to the 1999 Mets again because I just am absolutely in love with that squad and I'll never forget them. Those guys had, not only did they have John Ulrude, which was just an on-base machine, but then you also had uh, freaking Edgardo Alfonso. And what was the one thing that Fonzie knew how to do well was get on base. And then you had the power with Mike Piazza. You can say that's Pete Alonso. You know, and then the rest of the freaking team rounds out, except they didn't have an all-star shortstop with an incredible bat like Lindor, although I don't think Lindor's as good a defender as Ordonez. But either way, still good, regardless. Yeah. yeah. Already the slander begins. Unbelievable. No, it's like, break. you know what? He's not that oh, good of a defender. Give me a break. I, I bought a Lindor you know, like, jersey literally the next day. Give sure. me a break. But yeah, no. It, it, it's, I, feel like, I feel like we've forgotten that we also have James McCann on our roster. Yeah, we have a Which catcher. Which is great. Even better. A catcher and Trevor May. Like, the Mets also, are doing everything. Also, think about it. If the Mets did sign JT Realmuto, there probably is no Francisco Lindor. Probably not. So I would much rather have Francisco Lindor than JT Realmuto. Well, that Plus, was the JT Realmuto is overrated anyway. Well, well, no, no he's not. I'm just, not I'm just saying that, that because, but, like, it would be nice to have him, but now I got to say it. Well, you have well the thing the reason why he hasn't signed yet is because he's over the age of thirty and your you know catchers tend to go on a pretty steep decline, and if you're gonna get a guy like James McCann who is not only a solid defensive catcher but his offensive splits have actually gone up in the last couple of years and that's a gamble that you take for the number that you got him for and then what you do is you allocate that money elsewhere like they're going to do with Lindor and hopefully they do with George Springer and if they could even add one more reliever to the fray. I mean, this team is in such good shape. Like, all they had to do was make like four or five moves, and they're almost at that threshold. It's amazing you can how make the argument they're already at the threshold. It's just they haven't taken that step into the threshold. Exactly. And 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 the only thing that kills me is that they could already be over that threshold. You know, they could have Jer- they could have had Jared Kelnick starting this season. Stop that's Stop and it. that's it right there. You could have, you could have, you could have Jared Kelenic with new management, new front office, new everything. It's it's a whole new team. And well, you Pete Carl Armstrong blame, is here to stay. Yeah, but you can't blame old <laughs> mistakes for the new team. No, it's no, like, of look, course. Oh, I, really? Should have had Jared Kelenic. It's like, yeah, that was the old Mets. He doesn't exist anymore. He, the, for all intents and purposes, he was drafted by the Mariners. That's our. That's how I'm thinking about it. Yeah, now. I under I understand that, Kevin. I'm well aware of this concept, but I'm just saying it could have been better if someone hadn't thrown a wrench into the plans. Because if you think about it, when the Mets drafted Kellenick, Kellenick would have already been on this team right now because Sandy Alderson was the one that picked him. Uh, you know what? I'm t- no more doom and gloom. Enough. No, I'm not saying <laughs> doom and gloom. You know I'm what, just saying, I don't want no, this negative I'm attitude. Just saying, look, I'm just saying, at the end of the day, I'm just thinking of an alternate reality. But at the end of the day, that I, I was gonna get, I was getting around to a point. But even though they've had those missteps with Brody Van Idiot and Brody Idiot Wilpon and all that, no, Sandy, that, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brody Van <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> but ultimately, at the end of the day, they've been able to basically come out of the woodwork almost better than they did before all this happened. And now the Mets are in prime position because not only are they signing players who are um, supposed to help and be good, but these are guys who are legitimate ball players. Yeah. No more of the, Oh, Hey, so we're going to sign, we're going to get Frank Francisco to help close games. And he's a total complete wash or we're going to get Andres Torres because we don't want to pay Angel Pagan all don't that money. No. About John Mayberry Jr. John Mayberry Jr. because the team doesn't want to pay another bench guy, you know, a guy who strikes out like a 50 million times in a season. No, none of that. This is the new Mets. This is the Steve Cohen Mets. This is the, this this is is the, the new Mets where Luis Guillorme is going to wear an everyday third baseman. Like, that's the kind hey, of Mets. Hey. <laughs> Go ahead, Luis. 
I good like for him. Luis Guillorme because he needs good a for spot. Him. Absolutely. Let, let, let's let's talk about one other thing before we wrap up. The Yankees just can do nothing yeah. right. Uh, and it you know, it doesn't uh, pain me it, in it any way, shape, or form. A poverty franchise like the New unbelievable. York. It's like it's like you know they have the little brother syndrome, but they're the older brother. It's like we're more accomplished than them in our in our next in our like you know adult lives. But they're like, well, you know that time. But it's like I used to be really good. It's like yeah, sure, whatever you say. You're a poverty stricken uncle who's stuck at home all the time. Yeah, thanks they, a lot, Grandpa. They can't even get the reigning AL champ. Like he said, it's DJ LeMayu even said it's a like a it's a clusterfuck, and these are my words, not his, of what they're doing, and it's 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 sad because yeah, the pandemic has affected everybody, and the Mets are benefiting it because they have a new owner, which has wasn't affected by his it. Grave right now. Yeah. Gosh. But. The Yankees just don't look like they're doing anything. No one's really doing anything. And the only co- competition the Mets have for free agents are the Blue Jays, and they are even too low. So <sighs> when it comes to it, I think the Mets are probably one of the favorites to win the World Series well, now outside of the Dodgers and the Padres. Let's ask this one question before we go to both of you. Ask me anything. Do the Mets ask away. win the National League East this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the Braves are the Braves will not win the NL East. I think it's going to be a tough matchup, but it's going to definitely be a close race. But I think the Mets pull it out, depending on who they finish signing. Because yeah, need, exactly. They need bullpen help, and another starting pitcher would not hurt. But apparently, Lugo is going to be in the pen this year. Good, Good. where he needs to be. Good. That's that's a good decision. Lugo is a lot is a lot his fast effective. his fastball is a lot better in the pen. His breaking pitches are a lot better as a reliever, and I think he's more important as an everyday guy than a guy who goes every five days. Yeah. Um, and it's he's weird when because he's like used a lot, not when he's like. And also, I want to bring up this point. Everyone keeps saying the Mets need another starting pitcher, and yes, having at least one more would be great depth. But there's someone coming back in the summertime. That's going to change. That's not the, the issue. The issue is when they have to wait because they're assuming June. That might not be the case. It might be July, which then you're well, halfway through the season. Like also, point. to play counterpoint here, I feel like the Mets are talented enough now to weather the storm until Noah Syndergaard gets back. I really do. Okay, so I, I, I can see that DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, Peterson, and Mets. That's not a terrible starting five, but you oh, still need some David depth. Peterson. I said David Peterson. He was number four. Okay. Okay. Thank you for just listening. Make, that makes me make, feel no. Just making sure. And, you know, well, well respected. I am listening to you, Kevin. I just didn't Storm. hear it for yeah. some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, it's I, called I, ignoring me, JL. Look I'm it up. Igno- I'm not ignoring you, Russell. <laughs> I would. Worry, oh, ha! That's funny. Uh, Good joke. I would worry every fifth day for Stephen Matz a little bit, but I think that if, if the Mets could win every four out of five, I'll take it. I mean, that's a pretty good winning I mean, percentage. That's, that's yeah, a great that's, record right that's there. That's a great record four right there. One let's average. Go, let's go but that, the Mets are going to win four out of every five games. And if Steven Matz wants to be the laughing stock as long as he stays healthy, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, don't don't count out Steven Matz if you need him, man. I mean, he's he, – he, he has spots. He has yeah. to back. He's got to get that confidence back. And he, I – no, go ahead. He has to like. I remember Stephen Matz when he when he first came up. He was dealing. Like, what happened to wheeling that guy? and dealing? He yeah. was wheeling. Yeah, he actually well, he was had... unbelievably good in 2015. Yeah, in 2015. Oh. That that te- that that pitching staff was oh, they were so good. So oh my gosh, good. It made no Maybe sense. Yeah, Bartel Cologne. and and think... Zach Wheeler wasn't even pitching for them that year. No, he wasn't. He was not. Which, but I think yeah. the thing the thing that Match has a problem with. It's pretty much it's just his arm. He had a lot of pectoral issues and just a lot of arm issues. And now I think with the that goes front office. You probably have an actual training staff that you know. Well, not even just that stuff. That's... Well, it's not even it's not even just oh. that. It's more or less along the lines I, of if somebody I gets hurt. Share, I have to share another great piece of info. Oh, okay. just just across you know, your desk a second. Oh boy. Do you know who the the latest person to praise not Lindor but Carrasco on the Mets is? 
If you say Andy Martino, I'm going to kill you. Mickey Calloway. <laughs> oh, my God. You know because, no. No, no, you're right. That makes sense. That makes that sense because makes sense makes he was the pitching coach. He was the pitching yeah. coach when Carrasco was there. So I swear, makes- I looked, I saw his face, and immediately I just went, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> he put the wrong lineup card in again. Don't even get me started on Mickey Calloway. <laughs> just dude. wake up in a sweat. I would not trust Mickey Calloway even with this lineup. Well, hold on. To be to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Okay. That's okay. Letter Kenny. It's fine. Letter Kenny reference. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mickey Calloway was is a good pitching coach. He's not a good manager. Nope. Mickey Calloway th- thrived with Carrasco, Plesac, um, Andrew Miller, Kluber, Andrew Miller, all those guys that were in Cleveland when the team was doing well before Callaway was hired with the Mets, they all throw, they all thrived under him. Um, the manager and pitching coach are two different things. Uh, Mickey Callaway was a decent pitcher when he was in the majors, um, and he definitely has the mind for pitching, not as a manager per se. So he'll do. He's do. He's gonna. He's gonna continue to do well in Anaheim with the Angels, which is great. Who um, we'll probably yeah. end up signing Bauer anyway. Pro- hey, probably. Hey, good luck out there. I don't know. Bauer, really Bauer said he wants the highest AAV ever, apparently. Now, no, no so one's going to give no, it to him, though. If Springer isn't getting $150 million, I really doubt that Bauer is going to get the I, highest I, I AAV think ever. You guys are right, and the only ones that will pony up will eventually be the Angels because they want to make Mike Trout happy. Yeah, well, not you only literally that, make but... the best player in the league happy, I think you eventually make the playoffs. And yeah, the fact well, of the matter is, if he's shame. not making the playoffs, that's a huge problem for the game. Well, just trade him to the Mets. That's it. See, now you're thinking like <laughs> Russell, which is making me a little scared that you have hopeful optimism. You know what, though, it might not be the most far-fetched thing if you think about it. Okay, we're not, we're not fucking. <laughs> I'm not indulging this. Thank you, thank okay. you for coming to Skyscraper Sports. Wow, so negative, Kevin. It's not negative. I'm just ending the ending the show. Okay. <laughs> thank you for coming you can follow us on sky sports ny pod is that our is that our sky that sports our ny pod okay i'm just making sure what i, I said <laughs> you can follow me at space earthman with one e you can follow russell hartman at russell hartman one because russell hartman two was taken <laughs> um you can follow John Luke Shapiro at JL Shapiro 8 because for some reason he likes that number. Um, thank you yeah, for listening. So what, Kevin? So what? Nothing. Thank you for listening. Look for our new episodes talking about the Giants and the Jets end of the season. I, I mean, I don't need to talk about football, but what a crazy weekend this was. I mean, good for the Browns and good for the Bills. They made the final game. Baker Mayfield, quarterback left in the AFC. Is he really the oldest quarterback? Wow, that's nice. Future! And then we have the NFC, who has the oldest. The oldest. The, the oldest <laughs> NFC team. Drew Brees and Tom Brady will be going this at it. Again! Again! Do they reseed? Because I thought the Ravens were supposed to play the Chiefs. I think they do. The Ravens are, I think the Ravens are playing the Chiefs. No, the Browns are playing the Chiefs. Because when I first saw the bracket, it was like, oh, so whoever wins this game plays the Chiefs. Nice ending, Kevin. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Look out for our new stuff. Uh, Let's go sports. Sports, sports.